Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. It is my joy and honor to welcome to the stage Pastor Chris Johnson. Please come on up, Pastor Chris. I just want to describe Pastor Chris to you guys. He's become a dear friend. Um, most of you may not know how he became part of every nation. Uh, Pastor Chris and Cheryl, they planted a church uh, in Harrisonburg, just outside uh, Washington, D.C., and they were doing campus ministry. Carl Stauffer, some of you may know Carl and Caroline Stauffer, they said to them, if you really want to see how campus ministry is done, you must go to South Africa and see how they do campus ministry. They came to visit us about 10, 11 years ago, and the rest is history. Now they are part of every nation. Chris and Cheryl, they have three children. As you can see them, they're beautiful. Chloe, uh, Chris Jr., and Caleb. And uh, Chris is really passionate about education. He has a master's in divinity. He has a doctorate in theology. You can see he's a man of his word. He's not only passionate about education, but he leads what he speaks. One of the things I like about Chris is his motto for life. Be the work. Don't just do the work. Be the work yourself. Let God work in you before you do the work. He's written a book with another professor of mine, Dr. Brian Taylor. It is Ready to Lead, about black leaders leading multicultural churches. And Every Nation Rosebank is mentioned in this book. We don't have copies yet. We will have copies soon. Another round of applause. Pastor Chris, take us away. Amen. Amen. Rosebank, it's such a pleasure to be here with you all. And some of you all, many of you all don't know who I am at all, but I am family. Uh, I really feel like my wife and I, my wife Sherelle, who's up here in the front, uh, we're just smiling and beaming as we came into Joburg today uh, because 11 years ago, uh, this really was like a pilgrimage of faith um, and culture for us uh, to be able to come and be in this space. Uh, and I call Pastor Simon Super Sai. Uh, I met him across the world, and uh, he, he said, oh, yeah, it'd be great for you to come to Johannesburg. And the first time I came, I had never been on the continent of Africa. I had never traveled that far. And the first time I came, he wasn't even here. What type of host is that? But we truly, this is, this is um, our Every Nation home. I know I'm in Virginia. I'm an African-American. But Every Nation Rosebank um, is our Every Nation home. We went all the way across the world to find our spiritual family. And so I applaud you all, love you all, and so delighted to be here with you. Um, just before I jump in the word, I, I did want to share um, just a word of encouragement um, to, uh, to Pastor Simon and, and Rosebank. Um, <clears throat> as I've been praying for you all, and uh, Pastor Simon and for your bride, Lindy, I know she had to take another flight uh, as well. Uh, but as I was praying for you all, a couple things that I just really wanted to highlight and share with you uh, in this moment. And some of it I'm going to dive in a little bit deeper in the sermon. Um, but Pastor Simon, I have watched you for years. And I've watched you and your bride and your family 
Uh, and the Lord said, to, this is what the Lord says, he has seen your humble faithfulness. And as Galatians chapter 6 says, <clears throat> do not be fooled, God is not mocked, for a man will reap what he sows. And so as you have sown in places where people have not seen, you're also going to reap in places that you have never seen. Um, that there's a season of abundance and reaping that the Lord is bringing you in. And this is going to be seen in a few ways. One, um, your family is going to prosper. I see your children all having an upgrade of anointing, but also favor um, through generations. Secondly, um, there's going to be favor that's going to open up for you for you and Lindy um, in regards to apostolic leadership where some people have already seen it but there are places literally waiting on the grace that's on both of you all as well um, then in addition to that there's a place where there's going to be a new level of peace and joy that's just going to reside on the inside of you and it's going to go to the point of overflow where literally anybody in the vicinity of your of your presence they're going to begin to be delivered of depression of anxiety and fear. Um, and then for, uh, for Every Nation Rosebank, uh, here's, here's what I begin to hear. Uh, and, and hear this as a commission. And I'm going to give you a word of encouragement for your own living. But hear this as a word of commission. Reach the lost. Reach the lost. For Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. That there are so many lost people that oftentimes churches can get caught up trying to, find the, trying to find the other saved people. But there are lost people awaiting for Rosebank, for Every Nation Rosebank, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And also I heard the Lord says there's a new pipeline of leaders that are going to be developed in this house that's going to impact and contribute to that revival from, the, from, Cape, from Cape Town all the way to Cairo. And so there are going to be people being raised up and I even sense this that there's a crop of teenagers that the Lord is going to raise up that's going to be um, apostolic that's going to be prophetic there's going to be missionaries as well that this is a multi-generational leadership development space and so never be discouraged at what you see in the moment but remember God have, has called you all to be a movement um, people sometimes can get caught in a moment but you all are a movement and as a movement it's meant to be multi-generational so can we celebrate the Lord for that word? Amen. All right, so today, uh, actually the Lord, the Lord just changed, uh, changed the message um, in, in regards to what I was supposed to preach to you all. So I'm really excited because I believe that the Lord is giving something that's going to be for you personally, but also um, for, uh, for you all as, as a city, but also for South Africa as a country. And so let's, we're going to go to Psalm 46, Psalm 46, and I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. Psalm 46, and forgive me if I blow through a lot of, um, a lot of protocol and whatnot, but Psalm 46, uh, and I want to read the entirety, so verses 1 through 11, um, verses 1 through 11. Uh, as we get into this, uh, and this is the word of the Lord, and this is how it reads. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. There is a river 
whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is not, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall, God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come and behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in the fire. Catch this verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. May the Lord add a rich blessing to the reading of his word. I want to highlight my title is found in the first two words of Psalm 46. God is. God is. I believe participation is better than observation. And so if you could look at somebody near you, beside you, behind you, and tell them God is. Okay, that was all right if I didn't travel all the way from Virginia, Cape Town to Johannesburg. But since I did put a lot of air miles into being here, I'm going to need y'all to participate a little bit more. Uh, look at somebody else, your second favorite neighbor now, and, and, and tell them God is. God is. There we go. <clears throat> God is. Uh, let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you, God. We honor you. There is none like you. There is no rival. There is no equal. You are good all by yourself. And Lord, we just take this moment to remind our soul, remind our mind, and remind our situations that you are all we need. As a matter of fact, we remind every demon, every spirit, and every principality that you are victorious, God, and they've already lost. So, God, we're here to just celebrate and see how your victory is touching our lives and our nation and our family right now. Father, I ask now, Lord, even as we've come from different places and different situations, Lord, that you will heal those who are hurting, comfort those who are troubled, strengthen those who are weakened, Give clarity to those who are confused. Bring joy to those who are troubled. Bring peace to those who are in chaos. Lord, we believe that you are able. Lord, as I preach, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God is. God is. I don't know if you've ever heard of Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law, people simply say, if, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. You could say that Murphy, uh, the man who came up with these sayings, he was a raging pessimist, which means he always saw the glass not only half empty, but empty. He was one of those folks that when you're around them, their negativity was so dense 
that it jumped off of them and onto you. The Mur Murphy's Law suggests um, not only if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong, but that's the abbreviated version. Let me give you the extended because there's four other laws that are attributed to Murphy that simply kind of says the same thing and it only gets worse. Let's listen for a moment. Left to themselves, things always go from bad to worse. Come on. Number three, if there is a possibility of several things going wrong, the one that will go wrong is the one that would cause the most damage. Murphy Law number four, and hopefully you're getting encouraged. <laughs> nature always sides with the hidden flaw, which means nature will always play to the worst version of who you are. The last one says, if, every, if everything seems to be going well, you have obviously overlooked something. <laughs> have, you, have you ever experienced that? I'm, a, I'm going to think that laughter is agreement. Have you ever woke up one morning and actually felt good in your body and in life? And you start wondering, now what's about to happen? <laughs> you know, one of the, the most common language in our human existence is pain and suffering. No matter how much money you make, no matter the degrees you have, no matter the color of your skin, the most commonality of humanity is suffering and pain. As we see Murphy with his raging pessimism, I would suggest that he's not a person of faith. But I will also say that when we look at Murphy's laws, that many of us have ascribed to Murphy's law more than God's law. Which means we may say that we are Christian, we may say that we believe in God, but as one author said, we are actually functioning atheists with a Christian tag. So we're Christian while it's comfortable, but atheist when it gets hard. And many of us are living by laws like this. And now, let me give you um, some benefit of the doubt. Let me give you some leeway here. You're not by yourself because if we were to be honest, uh, some of us, and I'm going to use some of my, um, uh, my, my African-American colloquialisms here, but I think they'll translate. Uh, have you ever had a moment where your money looked funny? <laughs> All right, okay. And, and those are times when you know you have worked and you have done what you needed to do. But have you ever noticed how fast money comes in? It goes out faster. And I've noticed this to be a global thing. Uh, if you're married here, now listen, do not, do not respond too loudly to this one. I want you to remain married after this. But the person that you vowed your life to, have you ever felt their assignment in your life was to disrupt your peace? <laughs> you say it's red, they say it's blue, you can't figure out where to go out to eat, and you're wondering, did I really say I do, or should I say maybe? <laughs> I figure it out 15 years from now. And let's talk about these little DNA carriers. 
Some of us call them children. But there are moments when you don't look at them as your children. You look at them as creatures that cause constant disruption, frustration. And if they ever get into your pockets, they never get out. I'm going to think that laughter is agreement once again. Some of us, as you, as you continue to live on this earth a little while, you know, you consider different things dangerous. When you were younger, you ride a bike or skate or get on a skateboard, jump off stuff, and you don't consider it dangerous at all. You hit about 35 or 40, if you sleep wrong, Uh, it used to take a sports injury for you to limp but now all it takes is an uncomfortable seat (laughs) there are times in our life that I believe as I named all these regular things are really just to let us know that we have some commonality together but then there are other things that are much deeper and has more severity that causes us to long for rescue. You may go to the doctor for a regular checkup to leave with a diagnosis that, that, that radically transforms your life and your hope to live. All it takes, it seems, is for one thing to go wrong in the world somewhere to have a butterfly effect to affect this nation and all of a sudden where you thought you were home now feels like a war zone. As we live in this world, I don't know if you ever felt the moment where you just felt like life was falling apart. It's almost like you're trying to hold, uh, I don't know if you ever try to hold water in your hand and no matter how tight you try to put your hand, there's always something leaking. And sometimes I believe that's a picture of our faith in this world that is broken. That we're constantly trying to hold on to faith, but it seems like there's always something leaking. As I look at this, as I look at the the challenges that we face in life, I realize that when life is falling apart or when you feel like it's falling apart, that's the time to remember who and what you are anchored in. That faith in God is not simply for the good moments. It's actually for the fiery and the bad moments. That we look at faith only for prosperity versus faith for perseverance. We'll misunderstand faith. Let me say that again because sometimes we only want to have faith in God to help us get what we want. But faith in God just reminds us that when we don't get what we want, he'll always give us what we want need as I look at Psalm 46 today it's a popular psalm for those who have read the Bible and some of us didn't even know where it was but as we were reading it there was some familiarity with the words there and as we get into the Psalm 46 and it says God is our refuge and our strength our ever-present help in the time of trouble it reminds us that we do have a God that is that is aware that is present, that also provides protection when we need it. Now, let me give you a little bit of context to this psalm. As Pastor Simon joked and said, I'm an educated person, I am a Bible nerd as well. 
And I believe context will help our content. And so if I, as I give you this context, when I give you the content, let me tell you, you're going to be inspired by the time you leave here, but I also want you to be informed. Now, when we look at Psalm 46, it is not very clear as to exactly the situation for this psalm because the psalms were written by, by many different authors and they had situations that inspired their writing. And so in Psalm 46, when you look at it, it says a song um, written by the sons of Korah or the, or the Korothites. And the Korothites, um, technically, when we look at this, these are folks um, that wrote a lot of the worship music for the temple and for the believers. So this is talking about, this is a song that the worship team wrote based on a situation that someone experienced in history. Now, when I look at this, the Korathites uh, and the children of the Korathites, they wrote these psalms to be able to capture a historical moment in which God showed up. Now, when I look at this, some people suggest that this psalm was inspired <clears throat> by Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there's a situation that Jehoshaphat runs into where they are surrounded by enemies and, and a prophet prophesies to Jehoshaphat and says, you will not need to fight in the battle, but position yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow you will go out against them for the Lord is with you. They're in the midst of being surrounded. A prophetic gift reminded them, it may look like I'm surrounded, but really I'm surrounded by God. And every now and then you need somebody to remind you that the enemy in front of you is not bigger than the God above you. And 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it continues, but watch the battle plan that begins to happen. And it's going to help you understand why church service goes the way it goes. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17, remember it was said, hey, you're not even going to have to fight them. It's, it's God's battle. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. This was their battle plan. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 19. It says, then the Levites of the children of the Kohorthites, who I just told you, they write the songs, and of the children of the Kohorthites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with voices loud and high. Their battle plan, they sent out the worshipers first. <laughs> Do we have any worshipers in the house this morning? They sent out the worshipers first. You got to remember that worship is one of the greatest weapons for the battle that we face. Because as the Bible says, that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so the reason why we do church the way we do church, and the reason why there's a worship team, because we recognize that when worship goes before us and the word gets in us, we can go out and win the war. And so as the worship team was singing, uh, and they were singing Bayete, and I saw, I was like, oh, I remember. That was one of the first songs we heard when we came to Johannesburg 11 years ago. But there's this moment that as worship begins to go forth, that there's something, defenses begin to come down in our soul. But faith begins to get lifted. Have you ever had a moment while they were singing a song, you begin to believe that God is able to do everything that God said he can do? That when worship goes forth, it reminds you of what the word has said. 
So they sang it, though, it said loud and high, which means there was a specific octave. Now, if I was a singer, I would show you the octave, but I'd rather for you to like me and not hate me. But there was a certain octave. It was meant to be loud and high. Psalm 46 was not meant to be a quiet psalm. Psalm 46 was not meant to be a whisper. Oh. Psalm 46 was, was, was showing us that the worship of a warrior has a specific sound that pierces the darkness. And there's this place where if the enemy can silence us or quiet us, when it comes to us worshiping God, he can quiet us in every other area of our life. And so when there's a moment of worship, we have to stop waiting for loud music to get loud. We have to begin to realize that God is worthy, that God is able. And I'm going to give us about 20 seconds right now to let out a sound of praise and a sound of worship and let the devil know God is real. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. So many times we wait for a sports team to score to let out a yell like that. But when I read my Bible, praise and worship was meant to have a sound. And can I speak to the continent of Africa for a moment? That part of the gift that the continent of Africa has is a unique sound. It's a unique sound that's supposed to help humanity understand God. And so as I look at Psalm 46, and I look at how this psalm opens up, and the text opens up with an announcement. God is. God is. Oh, that, that, that alone right there already preaches to me. God is. Now, I can go down a theological journey and tell you some of the things I think about. Because I start thinking when I read God is, I start thinking about God is infinite. God is self-existent. God is eternal. God is self-sufficient. God is all-powerful. God is ever-present. God is sovereign. God is holy. God is merciful. God is good. Is anybody else in here excited because God is? And all these things and and when I think about God is, and maybe this is just the thing that you walk away with because you might not remember everything else I say. But maybe you just need to put that in your journal this week. Maybe you just need to write that on a mirror somewhere and just say, God is. Maybe you need to go into work or either log in to whatever you got to do tomorrow and just say, hold on, first of all, God is. And by making that declaration, you're saying God is living. And if God is living, that means God is winning. God is. Now, specifically in Psalm 46, uh, he said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. God is our refuge. This means a place of safety, a secret place, a secure place, a refuge, which is a war term, which means that when there are things going on, you got to find shelter. And God is our shelter or either our refuge. Psalm 91 says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. 
God is our refuge. He's your safe place. Uh, let me go ahead and be real with you. Uh, so many times we treat our boo thing, our girlfriend, our boyfriend, our husband, our honey dip, whatever you want to call them. We treat them like our safe space. But until God is your refuge, nobody else will be able to be your refuge. Your job is not your refuge. Your job is a tool that God uses to provide. Your job is not your provider. It's a tool in which God used. Money is not your refuge. Money is an excellent tool, but a horrible master. You got to recognize, when you, when you recognize God is your refuge, you can dismiss all false senses of security, all false places of refuge, all false places of safety. When I recognize God is my refuge, I now have greater confidence that the creator of the universe has not forgotten about me. Not only is God our refuge, but God is also our strength. Uh, when, we, when we hear this term, God is our strength, uh, this is first really seen uh, or either heard of from Moses. As they crossed the Red Sea and they came on the other side, they came through on dry ground. And they saw the Egyptian army um, coming behind them. And, 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 and they were swallowed up in the very thing that God brought them through. Somebody get that in a second. There's some things God brings you through that you didn't think you could make it through. Just so what was pursuing you could not make it through. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so in other words, when they saw the Red Sea, they saw a threat. God saw a way out of no way. And when God makes a way out of no way, he gives you so much grace to go through what you didn't think you can go through. Every demon and every other lie and everything that was trying to follow you can't go that way because it doesn't have the grace. And so on the other side of the Red Sea, Moses says, the Lord is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will praise him. That the Lord gives us victory in battle. But this terminology, God is our strength, you'll see the Apostle Paul picks it up in the New Testament. And he says, in your weakness, this is what the Lord says to Paul, in your weakness, my what? My strength is made perfect. And so when God is my strength, I recognize when I am weak, he is strong. And when I'm at my worst, he's at his best. God is your strength. And when you're dealing with your depression, when you're dealing with your anxiety, when you're dealing with your fear, you let your weakness know, God is my strength. I can't get through this with willpower, but I got a power that's greater than that that will get me through, and God is my strength. He's your strength. We got to hold on to that. As a matter of fact, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what they, that's what they had to realize in Nehemiah as they were building and as they had persecution. The joy of the Lord is your strength. As a matter of fact, our three-year-old, Caleb, um, he's, he's his own vibe. He's amazing. He looks, he looks so much like me. But we knew part of his assignment in life was to bring joy. He was born January 2020, and right after that, the pandemic hit. So he was one of the most loved-on babies because we were all stuck in the house with him. But because we knew the assignment on his life was joy, 
the first scripture he remembered, the first scripture he memorized, Nehemiah 18. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And if a three-year-old can remember that, maybe if we remember that, we'll stop looking for joy and strength in all the wrong places. And we'll find that it's the Lord who sustains us, is the Lord who strengthens us, is the Lord who will keep us, and is the Lord who will give us victory in battle. He says, the Lord is my refuge, the Lord is my strength, and he's my very present help. Very present help means accessible help. When we talk about very present help, it's one thing for me to want to help you, but if I'm across the world, I'm not a very present help. I'm a very willing help. But how many of us know the difference in being willing and being present? One aspect about Jesus that we sometimes overlook, that he walked the earth for 33 years. He only ministered for three. What did he do for those other 30 years? Be a very present. He learned humanity's pain. He learned what it was like to deal with temptation. So he spent 30 years relating with us so that he can take the proper title of Emmanuel, which means God with us. And because he's God with us, and because he's very present, oh, y'all need me to call on another familiar psalm? Uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. We sometimes have to be reminded that God is not just sitting on high looking down low, but he is with you. He is present. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. He's omniscient, which means he knows all things, and he's omnipotent, which means he has all power in his hands. That's how he's our very present help. And sometimes you need to know that God is your help. Again, when you know that God is your refuge, your strength, and your help, you stop looking for it in the wrong places. Not only is God my help, but, but I, I got to point out this because so far, Psalm 46 has been very encouraging. God is my very present help. But, but watch what it says uh, in verse 1, my very present help in trouble. <laughs> Sometimes we want all of the truth and none of the trouble. He's our very present help in trouble. So the next time you're in trouble versus asking God to get you out of it, ask God to reveal himself in it. Trouble is a platform in which God reveals his truth. So the Bible tells us, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations. One of the, one of the places where we have messed up as believers is we have an escapist theology. We'd rather for God to get us out than God to get us through. And so, but watch the trouble that is named, and I believe some of these things will speak to many of the things we see in this world, in this nation, and in our lives. And then he goes on to name these things in Psalm 46, verse 2. Therefore, he says, we will not fear even though the earth be removed or either trembles, and, all, and, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. He names all of these seemingly immovable things that are being shaken. Have you ever felt like your world was just being shaken? 
we have a global spiritual family. We just, as Pastor Simon named, 71 nations gathered at this world conference, which means we know people that are in different parts of the world experiencing very different things and trials and tribulations. When I read in the time of trouble, I think about the wildfires that wiped out almost an entire island in Hawaii. But we had spiritual family there serving and also looking for safety. I think about as Russia invaded the Ukraine. So we have churches in Poland and and nearby that are seeing these very troublesome things. And in the midst of these troublesome things, as this nation experiences the ebbs and flows of its history and the the not-so-pretty parts of its history rearing its head again, what do we do with those things? You know, there's something so similar to South Africa and North America that what we call segregation and the civil rights movement, you all had apartheid. And we had these moments where we're, and, and, and this is specifically even in, for, for Every Nation Rosebank, where we're trying to be a multi-ethnic people in the midst of a history that divided us. So every political season begins to cause more trouble. Same thing in North America. If you look at my church that I pastor, we have a very diverse church in a very uh, polarizing location. Times of trouble come up. Hatred tries to move out love. What do you do when it seems like it's more trouble? Don't let what you see forget what he said. (laughs) Don't let what you see forget what he said. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. How do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith means I have a different perspective than what is presented. And sometimes when we see trouble, we begin to think the trouble is bigger than God. But what this psalm is pointing out, that in the midst of all these troubles, none of those troubles can erode or either eradicate God's sovereignty. And sometimes it's not until you're in trouble that you recognize just how truthful God is. And so he says, but because God is my refuge and my strength, that therefore I will not be afraid. Not because I don't have trouble. One person said it like this, faith untested is faith that cannot be trusted. Some of us have been wondering, God, why is this happening? He's fine-tuning, or should I say refining your faith, that you don't just trust them in the good, but you trust them in the bad. And you trust that if he don't get you out of it, that he's going to develop you in it. The things that come in your life, if God allowed it, he didn't allow it to destroy you, he allowed it to develop you. I can't help but think about my very present help in the time of trouble, and I can't help but think about um, the three Hebrew boys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And, and as you think about it, it didn't bow down because they trusted who God was. And so when Nebuchadnezzar blew the horn for them to bow down to a golden image, and they said, no, we won't bow down to any other, uh, to any other God except for the God, of, uh, except for Yahweh, Elohim. And so when they didn't bow down, their punishment, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. When they were thrown into the fiery furnace, that they were bound up and they were tied up 
and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. But then when Nebuchadnezzar went back to check on Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego because they stood by faith that they were standing in the very thing that was trying to kill them. That when they opened up the fiery furnace, here's the very present help. That there was a fourth in the fire. Y'all, come on. When you begin to see that there was three that was put in, but then there was a fourth, who was the fourth? And it says the fourth is in the image of the Son of God. That he is walking with you in the fire. He did not abandon you. He did not forsake you. But the fire you're in is just meant to show that you got faith in a God that controls the fire. Very present help. And so as I look at this, and I look at who God is, as I look at him as my strength, as my refuge, as my very present help, I'm going to jump down to verse 10 because after this, I got to go. Because when we look at verse 10, this is what it's telling us to do. And this is what I want you to do this week. This is what I want you to do in this next season. Verse 10 says, therefore, be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the, ner- in the, in the earth. Be still and know that he is God. And because God is in control, this means I don't have to worry about anything else. Because God is in control, this means I can have faith and trust in him. Be still and know. Be still and know that he is God. To be still. Just when they say, uh, and Psalm 23 says, Uh, You know, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. The only reason a sheep will lay down is if they feel safe and if they're fed. And so when he says, be still, he's saying, you're safe and I fed you. Be still versus you rushing out the house, rushing out of your apartment, rushing to the next thing. I want you to practice stillness this week. Take a moment. One philosopher said this. The darkest existence in people's lives are the times of silence just with them. Because oftentimes we have not paused long enough to deal with the things we've been running from. But when you are still in God, every lie, every fear, every struggle, every temptation now has to succumb and have to kneel to the power of God. Be still and know that he is God. So while the world is at a panic, we are at peace. And so we find time with God where we can find rest, where we can find our refuge, where we can trust in the midst of trouble that there is a truth that can bring me out. And when I think about a very present help in the time of need, Jesus did not just show up for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Jesus showed up for us that while we were in the midst of our trouble while we were in the midst of sin while we were in the midst of the penalty of death that Jesus showed up is anybody in here glad that Jesus showed up that he didn't let us die in our sins and he lived the life we should have lived yet without sin he died the death we should have died he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we will be healed and he was with us in the midst of trouble they put him on a wooden cross with nails in his hands and nails in his feet and they killed him and made a public spectacle of him but that's not where the story is three days later he rose again with all power in his hands with a name that's above every 
name and at the mention of the name of Jesus every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess that he is Lord is anybody glad about it today that we got a God that is alive we got a God that reigns we got a God that rescues come on let's celebrate him this morning family come on let's celebrate God let's celebrate him Let's celebrate him. If you believe he is, put a praise over your problem right now. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He says he will be exalted in the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. No matter what happens, he's still worthy. Hallelujah. Get a little undignified for a moment. He's worthy to be praised. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That type of praise, that type of worship, it begins to push back darkness. You just sent your worship before you're in the war. And when you get to this place, as the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, you actually got to do it. When your praise is not circumstantial, it's not based on what he's done, it's based on who he is. Even when I'm in trouble, I still got a reason. Even when I'm hurting, I still have hope. So I want to encourage you today that God is. God is. Listen, I'm going to pray for us. If you're here today, and number one, and you have not made a commitment to follow Jesus as Lord. If you've not, if you're saying, listen, I've been doing the church thing, or either I just happened to come in today, but today you realize who Jesus is. You realize he's your savior. You realize you need him in your life. Number one, that first invitation is for those that need to know that he's savior. If some of us, we've already made that commitment, some of us have not. And if you need to make that commitment to follow Jesus, it's a simple confession with a lifestyle of change. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, we thank you. Lord, for each and every person in this place, I pray now for just a moment of examination of our heart. Have we made you Lord? Are you our Savior? If you're here today and you need to make a decision, a faith decision to follow Jesus, What you do is just a simple thing right now. Just lift your hand if that's you. Don't worry about who's beside you. You, You're not playing with religion. Jesus is not an option. You recognize today. He is all I need. For every hand that is raised, Lord, I pray this. You said if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you are Lord, that we will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, that each and every person, that they will know that their eternity, their eternity is now secure in you. That they will leave a life of disobedience, a life of sin, and live a life of obedience and submission to you. Father, we thank you, God. We celebrate new life in you. The second prayer, if you're going through 
specific situations, trials and circumstances that are, that are challenging. You're discouraged. You're dealing with fear. And you need, to, you need it. You needed some of these things that were said today. If that's you, if that's you, you can, I want to pray for you. If you're going through a trial or tribulation and you need a significant amount of God's presence and blessing, you're looking for a breakthrough. Lift your hand. I want to pray for you. It could be medical. It could be something in your family. But you're in need of a breakthrough. God, for every situation that is represented, as we've already heard your word, we believe you are able. We believe that you are more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly, more than we can ask, think, or imagine. God, for every situation, if there's a medical need, God, I believe. I'm believing for healing. I'm believing for breakthrough. If there's mental health situations, I'm believing, God, for peace, for joy and deliverance. If there's a financial need, Lord, I'm believing for supernatural provision in a way that we could have never imagined. If there's just, we need an open door. We just feel like we're shut in. God, I pray for the door to open up that no man can close. I pray for those that are dealing with some relational issues. I feel that very strong. There's some broken relationships. There's bitterness in, in your heart. There's resentment. Unforgiveness. Lord, I pray, Lord, relieve them of that burden right now. Let their heart be made new in you. Lord, every situation that is represented, we believe that you see it, you know it, and you care. God, we honor you now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate the Lord. Hallelujah.